0: I remember this man because he had no shoes. It was here in the UK, in this affluent country. In fact, it was in Feltham. In fact, he walked into this building one Thursday morning. This gentleman had just been released from prison and he was waiting for benefits. To buy some food and some clothing. He was actually wearing a really ancient pair of beach shoes made of canvas, completely worn out. They'd actually disappeared at the back, and no socks. Did you hear me say this was February? But he came into Storehouse. He'd heard. There were people there who could help him. And we were able to give him a pair of new size 11 shoes. And we had a rummage around, and we found some socks. And then we found a spare pair of socks for him to take away. And he was able to walk out of here with new shoes and socks. Just one of the many little stories of transformation that come out of our storehouse ministry? Well, I say little. (laughs) If it was you who had no shoes in the middle of winter, you might think that was quite a big story, I think. How do we react when we hear stories like that? People speak of there being a basic truth, an intuition that we all have, that, Things are not really quite as they should be. When we look around, we see that the world is broken in so many ways, when surely it should be beautiful. And maybe when we look at ourselves and our own lives as well, if we're honest, we feel the same way about some aspects of maybe our character. Or maybe we look at our relationships and we see how they are broken in some way. Only life could be better, couldn't it be so much more fulfilling? Well, this morning we're going to look at the Bible, and you know the Bible is full of stories of change, change lives. So when you read the Bible, you can read about a coward who becomes a great warrior. You can read about a hesitant public speaker who becomes an inspirational leader. You'll see slaves who find freedom. And you'll find stories about scared, disloyal disciples who go on to be the pillars of the early church. You see, what happens is when people encounter God, they are transformed. And today we have one of those great transformation stories. It's a story of a man called Zacchaeus. And we're going to read it together. If you have your Bible, do turn with me now to Luke chapter 19. We're going to start reading at the beginning of that chapter. If you don't have a Bible, the slides, are come, the slides will give you all the words for the text that I'm going to read. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So all that we know about Zacchaeus at the beginning of this story is summed up in his job title. He's a wealthy chief tax collector, we're told. Now, if you were to meet a tax collector today, at the end of the service, exchanging pleasantries, you ask them what they do for a living. You might be tempted to make a little joke about their job. That would be unkind. But I can understand the temptation to do that. Back in Jesus' day, it wasn't funny. Tax collectors were known for cheating by taking more from their fellow Jews than they ought to for the occupying forces. They worked for the Romans. So they were not popular people. And this Zacchaeus, well, he's a chief tax collector. So he's likely got even wealthier because he has a whole rank of tax collectors reporting into him so he can rake off an extra commission from them. He would have been hated by his neighbours. He would have been ostracised from the society around him not wrong well with Zacchaeus, but this is a story of change. So we fast forward to the end of the story, and this is what we see. Zacchaeus has been transformed into a generous man, dispensing justice and compassion. There's nothing outwardly to see. There's no physical change. He is still a short man, but there's nothing wrong with being short. change. And we see the evidence of that change in this generosity that we read about in verse 8. He gives away half his possessions to the poor. And then he admits to his past theft and he says, I'll pay back four times any amount that I have cheated people out of. That is a dramatic transformation, isn't it? What on earth has happened here? Well, real change Starts with an encounter with the living God, and that's what Zacchaeus has had. He has met Jesus and responded to Jesus. You would have heard about him. So, if you look at the um, few verses before the ones we read, we know that on his journey into Jericho, Jesus has healed a blind man. Great story, and I guess that sort of whispers about that have gone ahead of him into Jericho. So, Zacchaeus. be a bit curious about this. He wants to see who Jesus is. In fact, he's so curious he runs on ahead, which is a bit undignified, really, in that society, and he climbs a tree so that he can get a glimpse. I don't know because it, it doesn't say in the story, but maybe Zacchaeus had that disquiet that I talked about at the beginning. You know, maybe he doesn't, he knows there's something not quite right about his life. Um, maybe you relate to that this morning. Maybe there's something that you sense is not quite right. You feel there should be so much more to your life. Well, there's good news. Because while Zacchaeus is clearly looking out for Jesus, it would seem that Jesus is looking out for him. And we have this wonderful comical scene. And we see in verse 5 that as Jesus reaches the tree where Zacchaeus is, he looks up him. I love this picture because there must have been a huge crowd. I have this picture in my head of a huge crowd around Jesus and they're all jostling him, maybe um, just trying to touch him as he goes by. There would be people pressing into him, crying out, heal me, save me. And in the middle of all this chaos, Jesus knows that there is a man up a tree that he needs to speak to. that wonderful? We can't hide from God. In fact, at the end of that passage, Jesus refers to the Son of Man, that's the way he talks about himself, and he says he has come to seek and to save the lost. It's what he does. And we have no need to hide up a tree or hide in any other way from, from Jesus, because nobody is disqualified from meeting him. You know, based on what we know about Zacchaeus, he is a very unlikely character to want to dine with. Society excludes Zacchaeus. But Jesus says this. He says, I must stay at your house today. And that's really significant because at that time and in that culture, hospitality was very important. So going to dine with somebody, that very act, says a lot. It says Jesus wants to know this man. It says Jesus wants to be with him. You see, there's nothing about me or about you that shocks Jesus. There's nothing that puts him off us. So Zacchaeus gets his wish to see Jesus, and probably much more close up than he thought, He's shown love, he's shown acceptance, and he responds to that. And his life is turned around. And this is something that is on offer to all of us today. And if that just chimes with you, I'm going to pray for you at the end of the service. So listen out for that, because um, today is a really good day to meet with Jesus. And what Jesus sees is in Zacchaeus. This amazing change in, 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 in this man is just the external proof of a big change of heart. And he says this, he says, today salvation has come to this house. So when, uh, Now this, this new way that Zacchaeus has of dealing with money, this open-handed approach, just shows where his heart is. And do you see the consequences for the wider community as well? Because it's not just this one individual who's been transformed. Because as he repays those who've been cheated, and as he gives generously to the poor, that transformation ripples out into the wider community around him. And this is just a picture of what we want to see here at Riverside Vineyard. We want to be transformed individuals who live with open hands, and we want together to form a generous church for our community. Andy kicked off our Open Hands series last week, and um, do download that talk if you missed it. It was a great um, introduction. And what we're doing in this series is what we do each year, at least, we take an opportunity to review our giving not just of our money, but of our time, um, our resources. And we also have the opportunity this year to give to a particular cause over and above the regular giving that the church needs for its day-to-day running. So I'm going to take a few minutes now, if I may, just to give you an overview of what we're specifically raising funds for this year. Now, I know you are going to be excited, okay? Thank you. Hannington and I are very excited about this. First thing that we're raising funds for, is we want to replace the windows in in the rooms upstairs and downstairs that are mostly used by our youth and by our children. This is what they currently look like. They're old. They're ugly. They are not energy efficient. And they are extremely difficult to open and close. Especially if, like me, you were about the same height as Zacchaeus, it's almost impossible. You know, this is one of the few parts of the building where we have not yet been able to upgrade the windows. Maybe you never go to that um, those rooms. Um, some of us I know don't have an awful lot of reason, really, often to go through the double doors by the cafe. But let me tell you, the whole of the building is not as sparkly and new as our lovely foyer and the rooms above it, and indeed, this auditorium. This is what we want those windows to look like. Our young people are a vital part of this church, aren't they? And we want them to have nicer, more energy-efficient surroundings. So that's number one. Secondly, we have an even bigger project. And that is going to transform the remainder of the ground floor of the building um, at the back of where you're all sitting this morning. That's where our storehouse ministry is. I've already alluded to it at the beginning. Um, We provide food, clothing, um, and children's equipment like buggies and cots to families in our community who find themselves in need. And sometimes adults without shoes visitors as well. We have a vision to transform the way that Storehouse operates. And I want to illustrate that by showing you what happens now when someone comes to Storehouse, if I may. Now, we do our level best. When somebody comes in needing food for their families, we do our best to give them the sort of things that they want and that they're going to eat. So we'll ask them, do you need pasta? Uh, What kind of cereal do you prefer? Um, I'm going to give you some soup. What flavor would you like? Do you drink tea? Do you drink coffee? We ask those sort of questions. But at the end of the day, the way it works is one of our wonderful helpers goes off into our beautifully arranged storeroom, selects things off the shelves, and then brings food for the client. There'd usually be more than one bag, but this one's heavy enough. (laughs) And that's great. And we present that, and, and of course, people are grateful, and they are truly blessed by that. But maybe, maybe your children only eat Heinz baked beans. I share that preference myself. Maybe they're going through a thing of not eating curly pasta at the moment. Do you, do you know any children like that? Spaghetti would have been a bit more helpful. Pineapple, that's really nice. But we had pineapple last time, so peaches would have made a change. You know, it's it's great. It's great what we do, but it could be better. And then if somebody comes in for clothing, what we do is we bring a box like this, or boxes out, depending on the age and the gender of the child. So I think this says, girls, six to eight years tops. Now, these are um, lovely quality clothing. They have been lovingly sorted and washed and beautifully folded in this box. But the only way for people to choose the right size and the right color and the right style is to rummage. Like this. You know time I shopped in TK Maxx, it was better than that. It's not ideal. It's not ideal. We want to make the storehouse experience more like normal shopping. We already did this with our, our lovely toy store a couple of years ago, and our vision is to transform the rest of the space so that we can provide a similar experience for food and for clothing. But Hannah Golding, who heads up this ministry, can explain it so much better than me. So we're going to watch a short film that sets out the vision.
1: Welcome to Storehouse. Storehouse is our Compassion Ministry here at Riverside yard, And we work with some of the most vulnerable families and individuals in the area, giving them food, clothing, equipment, baby packs. And we run a cafe on a Thursday morning, giving them breakfast, a hot drink, and somebody to talk to. We work with hundreds of preferries, around the local area, with firm families that they know are most in need. But Storehouse isn't something that's just been running for a few years. Storehouse started over 30 years ago, and it began with a bucket at the back of church. Storehouse, as a compassion ministry, has always been central to who Riverside Vineyard are as a church. In fact, it's a part of our DNA. In recent years, we have seen a huge increase in the number of clients that are in need and as part of our vision statement we know that God cares deeply for those in need and we want to address their needs as best we can we are blessed to have an amazing space here at Storhouse but we would like to utilise the room that we have to make it a more welcoming space a more practical space that can be used by the team and by clients. Currently we are struggling with space in our feed room. We have a lack of uh, shelving, and we share that room with other users. And we currently pack bags for clients based on what we think that they would like. Our sorting room is dull, it's old, it's dirty, and it's just really unpractical. At the moment our clients are choosing clothes for their children from plastic boxes that we bring out to them. We are so grateful for all that God has given us but we know that there's always more. A few years ago, we transformed our toy area into a toy shop and it has been an incredible blessing to our team and to our clients and we would love to continue that journey. Over the last few years, We have been dreaming and praying about the future of Storehouse and what it could look like. And we're really excited about what is to come. We would love to create a food room with space for clients to walk around and pick their brand of baked beans or their flavor seats. We would love to create an area where we can hang clothes and, and shoes and display them nicely. We would love to have a sorting area that is clean, that is hazard-free, where our volunteers can work safely. We are so grateful for all that God has given us and for all of your support over the years. But we would love to invite you into the next part of our journey.
0: Thank you to the wonderful Elliot who put that great film together for us. you excited? You know, when we read about Jesus, we see that he always treated people with dignity and with respect, didn't he? And we just want to do the same it would be so much more dignified to take a basket around an area like that and choose like in a normal shop, wouldn't it? There was a food bank set out like this on the one show this week, I'm told. Um, So maybe look at that on catch-up. Obviously we had the idea first, but it shows that um, this is a good idea that's being adopted by others. So I want to tell you about the um, thing that we're really um, wanting to press into at this time. We want to make some space for our local community to play their part in Storehouse. Why, why should we have all the fun? Now, we have lots of friends locally um, who support us really generously, uh, specifically at Christmas, at Easter, uh, with their harvest offerings, so local, other local churches, schools, businesses. But the need continues to grow. I wonder when you were watching that film and we had a shot of, um, of the food storeroom, did you see there were gaps? We do sometimes have gaps. And, and we have to say to people, I'm sorry, we don't have any um, milk this week or um, we don't have any sugar. Um, it happens. And we want to increase capacity. So we'd love you to consider installing one of our storehouse donation boxes, either in your place of work locally, or maybe somewhere else that the community gathers and you go to regularly, maybe like a sports club or something like that. Um, This is what it looks like. The idea is that your colleagues donate non-perishable food, and your role is to publicize that and volunteer to make sure... When it's full, the donations um, get to to us here. Now, in my experience, businesses are generally crying out for opportunities to show that they are investing in their local communities. So we hope that this idea will be welcomed um, by them. So if you work locally, if you think that you could get involved in this way, then um, tick the box on the form that got sent out with the leaflets we were talking about last week. This is the leaflet. Um, Many of you I know picked one of these up last week. They were in envelopes at the back. I know that many more of you have received one of these in the post during the week. If you don't have one yet, then we have them at the welcome point. So do take one before you leave so that you can read more about what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. So what are we asking you to do? We're asking you, first of all, to read this and then to review your finances. If you want to think more about um, money, because the Bible says an awful lot about money, Jesus thought it was a very important topic. And that's one reason why we've put together this little leaflet that's available at either side of the auditorium. It's called Generous Giving What Does the Bible Say About Money? So you can have a look at that and read what we think about tithing what we think about um, giving to your local church as the first priority when it comes to your giving, all sorts of issues like that. It's really helpful. And then after you've done that, we'd ask you to pray. We need to pray. And then listen to what God is saying to you and act upon that. So what is God saying to you about your regular giving? Maybe your circumstances have changed since you last set up a standing order. And what is he prompting you to give over and above this to the projects that I've been talking about this morning? Calling it the open-hand church center development. That's what I mean when, uh, that's what we talk about when we mean those three prod specific projects that I outlined. We actually have a budget for the two projects that involve building work. We have a, um, an ambitious budget of 75,000 pounds. But it is truly a wonderful vision. And then finally, fill in the response card that comes with the leaflet that looks like this. Somebody has already done that this morning and handed it in, so well done then. But you can bring it along with you to next week's service. Um, If you're not going to be here next week on the 19th of May, then you can uh, send it to the office another time. This is a big opportunity for us Open our hands. If you were here last week, then Angie read the, the story of somebody else who met Jesus, just like Zacchaeus did. It was a story about a young man who, like Zacchaeus, was wealthy. He met Jesus, but he was put off when Jesus told him to give away his wealth. And if you remember in that story, it says, he went away sad. And we can contrast that with Zacchaeus's response. Because we read this morning that Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus gladly. We have the free choice to walk away or to respond like Zacchaeus. But you know, when we are willing to meet with Jesus, to allow him to transform us into people who live life with open hands, then what happens is we can release more transformation beyond ourselves out into the wider community. So we up for that? Yeah? That's a couple of us. That's nice. It starts with us as individuals. Just like it started with Zacchaeus, if I go back to where I started, most of us recognize that there's a need for change as we look around us, as we look into our own lives, things that are not quite right. And this transformation that we've been talking about, you know, it's on offer to all of us. It's what Jesus is all about. And there are some people here this morning, and Jesus is saying to you, today, I have to stay at your house. He doesn't mean literally he's coming back for lunch. But there's an urgency to his invitation. Today is always a good day to decide to meet with and to respond to Jesus. Don't put it.